Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haprasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. I'm so thirsty. God looks at our faithfulness. God looks at our heart more than anything else. He doesn't look at only our outward actions and appearance. He looks at the heart and he looks for faithful people. The Bible said his eyes run through and fall throughout the whole earth. And he will make himself strong to those whose heart is loyal and faithful to him. He doesn't say that he looks for certain skin color or high education or people who have a lot of money. He's looking for people whose heart is loyal and faithful to him. And I know that many brothers and sisters in this church are very loyal and faithful to the Lord. You never give up. You always run the race and you always want to please the Lord and serve the Lord faithfully. So I believe that God will give you more grace this year, will reward you with more grace as you are faithful to Him. Amen? Yeah. Tonight, I would like to share with you the message that is very dear to me. And this, that is about the local church because God loves people. And I'm a dad. I'm a father. I have three kids and I have two grandchildren. So as a father, I know how much I love my kids. In fact, we were talking on the airplane. This is our personal life that we kind of plan to save so that when I'm retired, I can live on the interest of my money that I collected and saved. And then I would like to leave the inheritance to my children so that after I passed, my wife passed, we will have enough money to bless our children. The reason we think that way, because we love them. We love them so much and we are human parents. This is how much we love our kids. And can you imagine our God in heaven love all of us so much. He loves his children even more than I love my children. He loves us so much to the point that he sent his son Jesus Christ into this world to die for us, to pay the price for us, to carry our sickness and diseases and carry our sorrow, our curses, so that we can have an abundant life, the surplus life, so that we can enjoy life and have it to the full, to overflow. That's what the Bible says. Jesus came to give us life and give it more abundantly to the full, and to overflow. The reason he did that, because he loved people so much. And because he loved people, he doesn't want his children to get attacked, to be stolen, to be destroyed, or to be robbed. He wants to protect his children. He wants to bless his children. In the same way as a dad, the reason I find a nice home and send my kids to have good education because I want my children to be successful, to be protected 
from robbers, from street people who may want to hurt my children. God the Father, in the same way, He loved His children so much that He want to put a home, a family, in each city, so that His children can be trained and taught and protected in that family, and we call that family the local church. The local church that God set up in each city is the demonstration or the manifestation of the love of God. He doesn't want you to be homeless walking on the street out there. I'm talking about spiritually. In the physical realm, we don't want to be homeless. How many people want to be homeless? I don't want to be homeless. I want to have a home to live in. I want to have my own pillow to lie down. I want to live in a warm or in a very good atmosphere in my own home. The same thing in the spiritual life. God wants us to have a home, and that is the local church. That's why in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, this is what Jesus said, and I also say to you that you are. Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Wow, he did not say, I may build a church. Jesus did not say, let me think about it, let me pray about it. Jesus did not say, I, one of these days going to do it. He said, I will build my church. The word will in English is pretty strong intention. I will build my church. When you get married, you walk out to give a vow. You don't tell your bride, I may marry you. Is that right? I, I think about it. How do you say, I will, I will marry you? Because it's a strong determination. Jesus had a very strong determination that he will build his church. As a believer, as a child of God, we need to understand the heart of our God, Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We need to understand what they think, what their will is, and we need to understand that his will, he wants every believer to be a part of a local church. He doesn't want any believer to be homeless out there, float around, tour from one church to another church, he has no home church. Everybody should have a home church, should have a place that you can be a part of as a family, as a member of a family. You have your daughter sitting there in this room, I believe you feel the same way. You don't want your daughter to be out there on the street in Phoenix, Arizona. You want her to come home. You want her to be around you so that she can be protected, so that you can provide for her and love her and care for her. And that is a natural home, your home and your daughter, your other mom. The same thing, God is a dad. He wants every believer to be in his home. And his home is the church. That's why God 
build different churches around the city. And each and every one of us is called to be in different churches. Some of us may be called to another church. Some of us called to this church. But we need to find a home church. We cannot just float around being a homeless Christian or orphan that live in the orphanage. We need to have a clear spiritual home, spiritual parents, spiritual brother and sister, so that we can be taken care of, protected, and trained. So as a Christian, we need to understand church life very well. The church life. Because otherwise, we will miss a lot of blessing on earth here if we don't understand the church life. In this teaching, I would like to compare the church to a family. We want to understand how we relate, how we ourselves relate to brother and sister in the same home, in the same spiritual family. How should we behave? How should we act? What kind of attitude should we have to be a part of the local church? It's a learning process. And we use the Bible, the scripture, to be our standard, how we should relate to one another. All of us learn something every day. When I first got married and started the family with Pastor Da, oh, I make so many mistakes. I hurt her feeling many times. I make some wrong move, wrong decision, and make my wife unhappy. So I was on a learning curve how to be a better husband. In the same way, I was learning how to be a better dad. So all of us, as we are building the family, we are not perfect. We are learning how to relate to one another and how to be a better husband, a better wife, better parents, better kids. We all learn. And as a believer, we need to learn how to be a good member of a local church, how to be a good dad and mom in a local church, how to be a good older brothers, older sisters to other people. And in this teaching, we would like to learn about how to build a godly family together. But you need to understand that it's Jesus' will that every believer should be committed to a local church. If you are a Christian and you don't commit to a local church, you don't follow the will of God at all. Jesus said, my new commandment for you is that you shall love one another. How can you love one another if you never show up? You never spend time with brother and sister. You need to spend time together, show love to one another. And the Bible says when you obey His commands, He will bless you. He will take care of you. He will meet your need. I'm so blessed to hear the testimony of brother Elmer and sister Flor. I knew them since they moved to the U.S. the first few years. And now I look back, God blessed their business so much financially. God blessed them supernaturally, graciously. And when I heard the testimony how God blessed their business, I know that because they take care of God's house. God take care of their house. That's what happened to King David. David did not have a chance to build a temple, the house of God. So he stored up money and gold and silver for his son Solomon to build the temple. And even the scriptures say, 
because you plan to build my house, I will build your house. I will take care of your house. That's what happened to me and Pastor Da. Happened to a lot of members in Seattle who dedicate their life to build the house of God or the family of God or the church. Oh, God takes care of them. God really blessed them financially, health, supernatural healing, supernatural provision, supernatural protection because they pull up their sleeve. They commit every Sunday. They show up every Sunday. God can depend on them. They will be responsible for the work in the church. God always can count on them. They are so faithful, so committed, and they never give up their responsibility. And I have hundreds of people like this in Seattle. And God bless all of them. One of them in my church is my son-in-law. His name is Brandon. Brandon is so faithful, and he got big bonus every year. He got raised every year. And if I retire from my job now, he will have more salary than me. His salary is so big. And he's a young man, just 30 years old. He worked for this company only a few years. God bless him financially. God bless him with two beautiful children. And the children are so obedient, so easy to take care of. Because he and his wife, my daughter, has been taking care of the church. My oldest daughter is the head of the nursery in the church. She decorated the room very well. She planned for the lesson. She took care of the nursery in the church. My son-in-law took care of the sound system and also the studio recording video for my ministry. They're so faithful and I can see that God really takes care of them all these years because they take care of God's house. You can hear testimony after testimony how God takes care of people who takes care of his business. I would like to encourage all of you not to stay home on Sunday, not to just treat God as a secondary thing. Put God priority. Take the life of the church seriously. Be faithful. Be committed. Always show up on Sunday. I remember when I started to believe in Jesus Christ in 1981. I woke up the first Sunday with Pastor Da, we, just, we are newly wedded. We just got married. I just got saved. She just got saved. She came from Catholic background. I came from Buddhist background. We woke up the first Sunday. We accepted Jesus Christ on Friday night. After we woke up that Sunday, we both never went to church before because I was Buddhist. She went to Catholic church off and on. She did not go to church that much. But we woke up since that Sunday on, we never missed the church. For 30 years, 32 years already. We still going to church. We always brought our children to church. We committed. We build. We give. We sweat. We do anything to build the church of Jesus Christ. And because we please the Lord Jesus, He said, I will build my church. And I help Him to build the church. What is He going to do to me? When you try to make the heart of Jesus become fulfilled, Jesus is happy with you. Happy God, happy life. Is that right? If God is happy with you, wow, anything. I have another slogan. Happy wife, happy life. Yes. Happy wife, happy life. Okay. 
but for both men and women happy god happy life for man happy wife happy life that is the best slogan for men <laughs> don't make your wife upset you in trouble <laughs> so how do you make god happy build his church get involved you and your wife together build the church of jesus christ build his family and when you do that you make god smile and that's why i see so much grace upon elmer and flor and the family all the kids that god really blessed them because they all this year in phoenix arizona they build the church of jesus christ up and down raining or not raining or hot and so hot here or cold whatever they still build the church of jesus christ they never give up they never walk away they're so faithful to build i believe that when they all go to heaven they'll have a lot of rewards in heaven maybe even more than some christians who go to big church because it's not about the amount of people in the church it's about your commitment and your faithfulness god look at your faithfulness amen so we're going to look together the characteristic of the church as a family how we going to treat the church how we live our life in a local church as a christian we have our personal walk with god we read the bible we pray we have our personal walk with god but i don't believe in a comment of many christians in america this is a comment of many christians in america not in thailand or not in asian country some people say in america that my christian walk is private i'm not going to share with anybody it's my privacy i don't get involved with me i'm not going to get involved with anybody that is unbiblical idea our christian walk is not private we share with people we share our life with other people we get involved with other people's life we bless other people we commit with other people we are used by god to be the vessel to bring the blessing to other people we are the channel of blessing to flow out to bless other people christians are not selfish christians are selfless we live for the community and that community the first and priority community that we need to commit our life to is our own home church our family amen we need to train our children that way in my church we have built our church for 26 28 years now and we have 0% backsliding children none of our children walk away from god 0% which is unusual in america in america many kids when they go to high school or college they are gone but in our church every child in my church in seattle still serve and many of them serve in the leadership capacity they used to be baby like this when they start the church and now they are 26 years old they have kids and they all grown up now and they still serve in my church to today why because we train all of our children to understand the value and the importance of the local church we ourselves act that way when our children see the way we live they see it wow my dad and my mom are so serious about the life in the church so they are serious too because they see our example god train people through family 
So when the mom and the dad are serious, then the kids are serious with the mom and the dad. So we're going to look at the family together, the church as a family. We're going to look by comparing the natural family and the spiritual family. We're going to compare both sides. So we use the same principle in both the natural family and the spiritual family. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. Ephesians 5, 31. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. How does a family start? A family starts by having a man and a woman love one another, joy together in marriage, become a husband and wife, and start a family. Family start by having a man and a woman marry one another and live together, commit to one another. A family start by marriage. Is that right? So, what do we learn from the natural family? Number one, natural family is about choice and commitment. In the airplane, I told Pastor Da, I think in the airplane, early this morning, I look at her and I say to her that, if I don't meet you, I don't think I'm going to get married. Thank you. I don't have a heart for any woman except you alone. And I'm still happy to marry you. I'm still happy to see you in my house every day and meet you when I come home from work. I'm so happy because I love you and I choose you. And thank you for choosing me, even though I'm not good looking. But she chooses me. She has a lot of very handsome men pursue her when she was a young uh, girl. When she was 13, 14, 15 years old, a lot of rich young men pursue her. Some of them graduated from America. Some of them drove in with Volvo and Mercedes. And I was just a student, got on the bus, and I did not have money. But she still chose me. But she makes the right choice, though. Thank God. <laughs> you see, marriage or family is a choice. We make a choice to marry somebody. No one forces. No one forced me to marry Pasada. I saw her. I love her. And I still love her to today. And I still feel the same way that if without her, it's, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not interested in other women. I'm just that I think God just created her for me. That I just love her and she is my wife. God created us to be a couple. So I make a choice. And not only did I make a choice, I make a commitment. Family is about commitment. You make a choice to be there, and you also commit to be there until death part us from one another. Until we both died. Then the marriage stopped. So as long as you live, you are committed to be together, to become one flesh. Husband and wife, you marry and you become one flesh. You have that commitment. Divorce is not the will of God. But we are not living in the perfect world. So we see divorce everywhere. And we even see divorce in the church. 
I never condemn anybody that divorce because I know we are not living in the perfect world. We have a lot of problem in the family today, but still, divorce is not the perfect will of God. But once you marry, you commit. The same thing in the church, we commit, and even. The Bible, the Apostle Paul compare marriage to the life in the church in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. The Apostle Paul wrote this to. Verses in the Bible, comparing the relationship between husband and wife to the relationship of the local church. As husband is the head of the family, Christ is the head of the church. The Bible compare Christians of the church as the bride, and Jesus is the bridegroom. And one day we all, as believer, gonna meet Jesus and have a spiritual wedding. Have a big, big celebration, a wedding between the church or the believers and our bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ. This comparison between husband and wife on earth, and we as the wife related to Jesus as the husband, very parallel picture of choice. We make choice to follow Jesus. Hasada make choice to marry me. No one forces her. Is that right? To commitment, we make choice to commit to one another until we die. Three, love. You are not going to marry somebody who you don't love. You marry people that you love. So relationship in the church is that we make choice to follow Jesus, and now we are in His body. We are in His family. We commit to Him. And because we commit to Him, we commit to one another. Christian life is a life of commitment. Not only that, we love our bridegroom, our husband in heaven. Jesus is our husband. We love Him. He is the head, and we also love brother and sister in the church because we are all together as the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we should love one another. The church. Should be a place of love and commitment. Is that right? When people walk into the church, people could should be able to sense the love in the church, because it's about we love God and we love one another. What is the great commandment of the whole Bible? Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your might, and love one another. So Christianity is about love. Therefore, I don't believe at all when a person tell me, "I love Jesus so much," but that person never commit his life to a local church. I have to admit to you, I don't believe is a lie. If you really love Jesus, who died for you, you're gonna commit your life to Him, and He said to you, "I will build my church. Could you please help me build the church?" Could you go into the church and get involved and commit your life there and be a part of my bride? You need to be a part of my bride. And if you love him, what do you do? You obey. 
You're going to find the local church. You're going to get involved. You will help build the church. You will not ignore his command or his desire. Is that right? I tell you that the reason I have been a pastor for many years and never quit, the main reason, I tell you right now, the real main reason, because I love Jesus so much. I don't come here because it's a job. I still have a job. I'm a neurosurgeon by trade. I have my own profession. But I am here because I love Jesus. Because if I love Jesus, I need to love His people. Is that right? The real manifestation of the love for God is to love the church. Can you love only the head of your wife? Or you love her body too? Huh? When you marry a person, you marry only the head or you marry the whole person? You walk out to the eye and say, I do, you do, and then cut the head off and take the head, the head home and leave the body there. Do you do that? You love the head and the body. The same thing when you love Jesus. You don't only love Him at the head. You love the body. You love the church. So the true Christianity must love the church. Love the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We commit to the Lord. We don't commit adultery. We don't love the world. We don't love Satan. Anytime we make choice, we make choice to obey Him, to do His will. We cannot have double-minded idea. How many women in this room say that my husband can flirt with a lot of women, it's okay. How many wives in this room say, my husband can go and sleep with another woman anytime. I don't care. I don't mind. Will you allow that? What happens if they do that? If your husband does that? In Thailand, many years ago, when I was a young kid, there is a news in the newspaper. Some of you were not born yet. But in my generation, one Husband flirting woman everywhere. He just went out to sleep with a lot of girls. Eventually, the wife did something to him and gave it to the duck. So the duck can eat that part. So since then, I remember this is a joke in Thailand. If you are unfaithful to your wife, be careful the duck is coming. Because it's a big news in my generation. I think, don't think you were born yet in that generation. In my generation, the duck will... <laughs> Hallelujah. So no one wants your spouse to commit adultery or to have an affair. Is that right? No one wants your spouse to have an affair. The same thing. We should not have an affair. We should have only one love. We love Jesus only. We don't worship Satan. We don't worship money. We don't worship job, material things. We don't worship anything else. We're going to love our God, Jesus Christ, more than anything else. We are faithful to our husband. And in the same token, we're going to be faithful to our local church. Amen? I'm faithful to the church in Arizona here. Because I believe in commitment and faithfulness. 
I don't believe in cheating and unfaithfulness. When you commit to somebody, you totally faithful to that person. You will not harm that person. You will not cause damage to that person. You only protect. You love. You cherish. You really help that person instead of destroying, step on their back, and all these things is not the character of God. The character of God is faithfulness, love, and loyalty. When we are committed, we loyal to one another. We committed to one another. We love one another. Amen. That is the way God is. God is a jealous God. In Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verse two. Second Corinthians eleven two. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promise you to one husband. Who is one husband? Jesus. We have only one husband, Jesus, to Christ, so that I might present you a pure virgin to Him. What does it mean? We have a husband named Jesus. What does it mean, pure virgin? It means that why we are living on earth here, before we meet Jesus, we are not going to commit adultery to the world system. We will be only faithful to the Lord Jesus only. If you read the scripture, there is no such thing that oh, you know, I believe in Jesus, but I'm going to believe in Buddha as well. I'm going to worship Buddha and worship Jesus, and I'm going to worship. Muslim God and going to worship money, going to worship everything. That is not virgin. That is committing adultery. You commit adultery to other gods, and God is not happy. Think about this: if you don't want your husband and your wife to be unfaithful to you and commit adultery, you should not do the same thing to your God. You need to have only one husband. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen. And definitely, because we're gonna meet Jesus and marry Him, and meet Him for eternity, we need to prepare ourselves to meet Him on that day. One day, as a believer, non-believer will meet Him too, but meet Him at the judgment seat at the great white throne to be judged, and they will not go to heaven. But for believers, we're gonna stand in front of Jesus Christ. To get reward, we need to get ready to meet Jesus. Amen. So when we meet Him at the judgment seat of Christ, I pray that all of you in this room, Jesus, gonna smile and say, "Thumb up! You're so good. You're so faithful. You love me. You're faithful to me. You build many churches in America for me. You get involved. You're such a faithful." Bride, you get yourself ready to meet me. You are not flirting around. You are not just go on a nightclub and drink and do some bad things and make me unhappy. You are preserving yourself to meet me as a beautiful bride. What does it mean in a practical way? It means that every day, while we are living on earth, as Pastor Da mentioned a while ago. If I and Pastor Da live 30 more years on Earth, we will have only 1,500 weeks left on Earth. If you think about it, it's scary. One week, fast. 1,500 weeks, very fast. What do I mean? Life on Earth is relatively short. We will be gone soon. And one of these days, soon and very soon, we're gonna meet our bridegroom. Face to face, 
No one can avoid this. You all gonna stand before Jesus. You can fool me. You can avoid me. You can run around and avoid to see me, but you cannot avoid seeing your groom. He gonna meet you. Are you preparing yourself to meet him? How many people uh, got married and you know the preparation of wedding ceremony? You don't just show up in the wedding ceremony, is that right? You just don't say to your boyfriend, oh, maybe July 1st, and you just do nothing about it. Until July 1st, you show up. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't have a dress. Oh, I'm sorry, I haven't make, put makeup. I'm sorry, I haven't made a hairstyle yet. Oh, I'm sorry, I haven't invited my friend. Uh, oh, I just show up. Did you do that for your marriage? What do you do? You prepare. You get ready. You look for the clothes, the wedding gown. You save some money. You talk to your dad and your mom. Can you help me pay some? That's what happened to my daughter. I told my second daughter, I'm just joking. This is joking. Okay. In America, the bride's dad pay for the wedding party. And it's very expensive. But the groom dad pay for the honeymoon, which is cheaper. In America. So I joke with my second daughter that, why don't you marry a Thai man? Because in Thai culture, the groom dad pay for everything. I don't need to pay anymore. I pay one time, it's enough for me. <laughs> I'm just joking. She can marry whatever. I, I, I don't care about being Filipino or Thai. She can marry Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> but don't bring American culture to next wedding, please. It's too expensive. <laughs> but I'm talking about this. Okay. I try to get back to my sermon now. Prepare, prepare. Okay. You need to talk to your dad, your mom, look for the hotel, find a wedding gown. You in, send the card out. You prepare everything to be the most beautiful woman on that day. Dress nice. The best hairstyle, the best gown. You walk out, pom, 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 and you look so glorious. Everyone stood up, clap hand, and whoo. And the groom waiting for you to walk through the aisle to meet you and have a wedding ceremony. And the groom look at you, oh, my heart is melt. You look so beautiful. Is that right? You don't want to be unprepared for your wedding. You want the best that day. We need to prepare ourselves to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. We prepare ourselves how? We read the Bible, change, repent, shape up anything that we do wrong, any sinful habit, repent, get rid of them. Anything that we make God unhappy, stop, don't do it. We clean our life with the fire of God to be holy and pure, to get ready to meet our groom. We need to live a holy life. We need to let the word of God change our thought process, our mind. Let the fire of God come and cleanse the junk out of our life. Getting ready to meet Jesus Christ every single day. Get ourselves ready. I want to let you know that I am ready. 
if I die today, I know and I know. I can stand before Jesus and he will smile at me. Because all these 30 years of my Christian walk, I'm diligent, studious in study the Bible, change, repent, serve, faithful for 30 years. I never give up. I never back off. I love him. I love him more. I go to church. I build the churches. I am faithful in doing what God tells me to do. I am ready to meet Jesus anytime. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of meeting Jesus at all because in the past 32 years, I got myself ready to meet him. Amen? Are you getting yourself ready to meet the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you allowing the word of God to change you? Are you living a repentant life? Are you changing every day to make yourself beautiful bride with a nice gown to be ready to meet the Lord Jesus Christ? I hope that you make the right choice from today on. Get yourself ready. Live a real hot Christian life that Pastor Da talked about. We don't want to be lukewarm. We don't want to be cold. We want to be hot for God. Fall in love with Jesus wholeheartedly. Amen? I appreciate that all this year, Pastor Da really loved me. And she never had a second thought about another man. She always loved me with all her heart. I'm so happy to be this husband that my wife always loved me and cared for me. We should do the same thing to the Lord Jesus Christ to commit our life to Him and be a good wife to Him, good bride. Amen? And because we commit our life to Him, we commit our life to the local church, a part of the local church. You cannot be ready to be the bride by yourself. You need brother and sister to help you, shape you up, talk to you, teach you, train you, to help you to grow up, to be ready to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And I pray that all of you that day, you're going to have the crowd of glory on your head. God going to put the crowd of glory, the crowd of righteousness, and He will say, good and faithful servant, come into my kingdom. You have run the race. You finished the course. You have done your best. You're so faithful. I'm proud of you. Come in. Get a lot of rewards that no one can steal. No one can take away from you. Amen. Be faithful to Him. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This is just the first one. I have altogether seven of them. Maybe I share about the second one quickly. The church is a family. Psalm 127 verse 3. Psalm 127 verse 3. Sons are the heritage from the Lord. Children are reward from Him. After a husband and wife get married, God graciously give them kids, children. Children, the Bible say, are the heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from God. When you get married, the wife get pregnant, have kids, and that is the reward from God. In the same way, as Christian, as a church, when we become a church, become a family, Eventually, we begin to produce offsprings. People will be born again in our church. People will come into the kingdom of God, 
born again and joy the family. Like when I first got married with Pastor Da, only I and her. A year later, somebody popped. Her name is Tanida. Seven years later, the first seven years I was in training. I never have time at home. Seven years later, the second one popped. The second daughter named Joy. One year later, the third one, son, popped. His name is Paul. So we have offspring. We have children. That is the heritage from the Lord. Is that right? So God give each family children. Now we have both natural children and spiritual children. The spiritual children are in the church and the natural children are in with us at the house or around us. My daughter, very smart, she was buying her house about two years ago. And I asked her, where are you going to live? She said, we're going to live about seven minutes from your home. She looked for the house in Vinicity, seven minutes. At that time, I did not understand what she means. Now I understand. Free babysitter, free food, big refrigerator. This month, she said she's broke because she had to spend money with something. When I say broke, it doesn't mean she doesn't have money. She has big budget. Pastor Da saw her almost every day at home. And she did not only come. She came and she opened the refrigerator. And I have leftover food, lunch. I never finished my lunch. I ate very little. So I have sometimes a big box from uh, Applebee or from Olive Garden or something because the representative from drug company brought lunch for us almost every day. So I ate a little bit. I got home. I put it there. I'm going to eat tomorrow again morning. And when I turn around, where is the box? Oh, it's for Brendan. Already gone. She took it home. Children still children. And I told Pastor Da, don't take me wrong, I'm not negative, okay? I love it. I love to see my children still hang around, come around my house, and we are family. And I told Pastor Da that, sound like the umbilical cord has never been cut yet. I'd be just joking. But we love to see her, her children to come out to our house, hang out with us, and love us, and help us, everything. So it's a family, okay? Church is a family, and the family have kids, have new birth, have people born again, join the church, and when they join the church, they are babies. And one of the reasons I changed my topic tonight, suddenly, because I look around, and I think that the other sermon is going to be too hard for all of you. Many of you are here so new in the Lord. Your baby is Christian. If I teach another one, it's going to be over your head. You cannot understand my teaching because the other one was so deep and so overwhelmed to you. So I have to change the topic into something you can understand because we have a lot of new believers sit in this room that I have to make sure you understand what I'm talking about. Amen? We have children. We get people saved. We preach the Lord Jesus. People get saved, join the church, have more and more new babies, join the church. People born again, love God. What happened next after people got born again and joined the church, join the family of God? Look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 22, verse 6. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train a child in the way he should do. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. Proverbs 29, verse 17. 
discipline your son, and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. I have to admit that my daughter Tanita, our oldest daughter, trained her children better than our generation because she grew up in a Christian home. We both did not grow up in a Christian home. We make so many mistakes with our children, but Tanita, oh, she raised her kids very disciplined. At this time, go to bed. They all behave. When the son acts up, come here. Come to another room. Spank. Stay here. All her son and daughter very obedient. When teachers look at the eyes, okay, mom. Never talk back. Oh, my daughter and my son-in-law are very good parents in training their children. I'm so proud of them. They're because they know the Lord since they're young, they study the Bible, they know how to take care and raise kids. Disciplining, teaching, training. If we want our children to do well, we need to train them. We cannot let them run around on the street and do whatever they want. We need to spank them, train them, discipline them, correct them, teach them, so that they will grow up to become a good citizen of society. Amen. So that's its work in the church as well, not only in the natural family. We need to teach and train the members, teach the Bible, get them learn, grow up, train them how to serve God, train them how to walk with God, train them how to pray, how to read the Bible. That's why we go to the home group, study the Bible. That's why I produce so many. Teaching, put in the podcast so that they can feed themselves. They can learn self-education. The more you learn, the less mistake you make. You need to learn the word. The church has a responsibility as parents, the spiritual parents, to train, to teach, to educate, to correct the children of God, so that they will not be naughty and ineffective people. When they grow up more. They will become more effective for the kingdom of God. We don't want to have baby run around the church for 10 years. We don't want them to grow up, to be used of God, to be strong, to be the servant of God. Amen. Everyone need to grow up. That's why I say that children in my church, when they were baby 30 years ago, now all of them serve God in my church. Some of them are the head of the youth. Some of them teacher of the youth. Some of them now in the video ministry. Some of them. In the sound ministry, they all serve the Lord. Everyone in my church, even both of my daughters, my son too, my son served God in the church. To everybody, got trained in the word and in the service, and trained in the character. We need to train them as a church. We cannot just let them run around. Otherwise, if we don't train members and they live a, you know, un Healthy life or wicked life or sinful life, who gonna lose the reputation? Huh? God will lose the reputation. Is that right? Uh, in Thai culture, we have a sentence like this: Parents do not teach them. In Thai, we say, "Poor man, my son." Is it translate into English? Is parents do not teach you, which means they look down on your bad behavior, down to your 
parents is a very strong word. When somebody say to you in Thailand, "Your parents do not teach you," it's very bad. It means they not only look down on your bad behavior, but they look down on your parents and grandparents. Pretty strong word in Thai. I mean, for Thai people to hear the word, "poor man, my sang son," is very strong for Thai people. So the same thing in the church. We need to train God's people. In Galatians chapter three, verse twenty-six, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. If we are the believer, we are the children of God. We need to be trained. We need to be taught. We need to be corrected. Amen. So when you come to church, it's normal that you're going to be taught the Bible, trained, corrected. You need to submit to be trained. Like my grandchildren submit to their parents to be trained by their mom and their dad. Otherwise, they're gonna be a messy person. They need to be trained in discipline. When we have guests come into our home, my daughter will talk to my grandchildren. Hello, say hi. Do like this to the guests because she's my daughter, born in Thailand, so she understand salute in Thai. She will say, she will say to her kids, "Sawadee, salute." To the guests, she trained them how to greet people. Okay, this is a dinner time. Sit on the chair right now. Don't mess up. Sit here. Don't run around with the cork and pour on the carpet. You need to sit here, finish your eating, and then you can get out. She trained them how to eat. Because if that, if my daughter did not train them, people gonna say, "Poor man, my son son." Parents do not teach you. Pretty bad. That's why the Bible say, "Discipline your son, and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul." If you want to smile when you get older, you need to train your kids. Otherwise, your kids gonna make you look terrible in society. Amen. And the same thing in the church. We need to train God's people in the church. Correction, spending time, teach them what to do. And I'm doing that right now to you. I'm teaching you right now. Who gonna teach God's children? Ephesians chapter four, verses eleven to thirteen. And He, mean Jesus Himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God appoints somebody to be pastor, teachers, prophet, evangelists, and apostles to teach and train people to become mature, to make less mistake, to become like Christ, to attain to the full measure. Of the perfection of Christ. In other words, as year go by, you're gonna become more mature man and woman of God. When people look at you, wow, you look like more like Jesus now. Some of you, before you become a Christian or you become a new believer, you are so short-tempered, just angry easily. After a few years in the church, you're so calm, you smile, you walk around happy. Some of you, before you become a Christian or after you become a new believer. You so mean to people, but after a few years, you train, you taught, you're so loving, you're so sensitive to people. 
you become more like Jesus. You're growing up in the church because the pastor, the prophet, the evangelist teach you, train you. I thank God for the technology today. We have MP3, we have CD, we have YouTube, we have podcasts, we have all kinds of technology that you can get trained and learn and be taught anywhere in your car. You can listen to the teaching. You can meet your pastor and leaders and spend time together and grow up together. Amen. And that's one of the reasons I fly here is to train you, to help you to grow up. I don't come here just because I want to preach on the pulpit. No, the whole purpose is to train you and teach you to help you to grow up, to become more like Jesus Christ, to grow up spiritually, to be mature in Christ Jesus. Everyone say, family, have kids. We need to train, to teach, to correct the children of God. Everyone say, the family is about commitment. It's about choice. It's about love, faithfulness, loyalty. I'm loyal to my Lord Jesus, my husband. I am faithful to him. I choose him. I'm committed to him. I'm committed to my church. I choose my church. I love people in my church. I am willing to be trained, to be corrected, to be taught. And one day, when I grow up more, I'm going to train other people. I'm going to teach other people. I will not stay baby forever. One day, I'm going to stop the bottle of milk. But I'm going to be growing up to be strong and eat steak. Pizza. Not milk anymore. I grow up <laughs> to be a mature man. A mature woman of God. Train me. Pastor. Turn to your pastor and say, train me. Teach me. Correct me. <laughs> oh, this is just only the beginning of the church life. I have more to share tomorrow morning. So I think it's good to understand church life as a family. Amen? You love your family, you love your husband, you love your kids, you love your wife. Why don't you extend your love outside of your own home and love the church? Okay? I love my wife and my kids very much. I told my wife and my kids all the time. I worked so hard all these many years. I promise God if I die, for some reason, accident or something, my wife will not be on the street to beg people money. She will have more than enough to live until she die. Maybe I have a little bit of Asian mindset, Chinese Asian. I save for my kids, for my wife. And that's how I show love. 
to my kids and my wife. I will not let my kids and my wife suffer financially. I work hard, I save, I rarely buy my own clothes. Everything, I, besides giving money to the church and to the, do the ministry, I do everything to save for my kids and my wife. I love them so much. But also, I and her, I and Pastor Da, extend our love to our spiritual children in the church. We just don't just love one another and our kids. We are, that is selfish. We extend that love to the spiritual family. We treat our members like our own kids because we have extended family, the church of God. Not just I and my wife and my kids, but we extend out to the church to take care of God's people. We help each other in the church. We are the family. Everyone say we are a family. We help each other. We love one another. That is the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Love, care, and concern. Helping each other. Amen? You can help other people too. The heart of God. Love one another. Family. Amen? Family of God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much for teaching us this lesson tonight regarding the family of God, the church of Jesus Christ. Lord, remind us if we forget this truth that we learned today. Help us to be committed. Help us to be faithful, to be loyal to you and to your church. Help us, Lord, to be hot, not lukewarm, to be participating in the local church to build your church in this city and all over the world. Lord, humble us that we are willing to be trained and taught and corrected in the house of God. And Lord, one day raise us up to the next level so that we can help train other younger believers. Lord, the Filipinos can train younger believers, Filipino-speaking people. The English-speaking members can train English-speaking members. The Thai members grow up to train other younger Thai members, Lord. We're going to live for one another. We're going to love the family of God together. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. How many people say, I want to put this into practice? How many people say, I'm going to do this, what I learned today? Amen. And you're going to see the blessing in your life that you obey the word and start to walk according to the word of God. I and Pastor Da have done this for 32 years. And we prove it that the word of God works and it's a blessing that we obey the Bible. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The reason... And Pastor Da lay hand on you in the church. There are two reasons I want to tell you right now. The first reason is that because we are spiritual parents, we love to bless God's people. Laying on of hand is the way to bless. According to the Bible, when the kids came to Jesus, he hold them up, put in his lap, and he put his hand on, and the Bible says, he blessed them. He 
lay hand and bless them. Laying on of hand is the way of blessing. I noticed that since we practice this in our church for 17 years, our members are living a better life. All of them. Less sickness. The poverty is gone. The debt is clear. Many good things happen because God used the hand of the leader to bless the children. So number one is for the blessing. Number two, remember that we need to prepare ourselves to be the beautiful holy bride. When we lay hand, the Holy Spirit will touch you too. Cleanse you. Getting you ready to meet Jesus. To become a holy bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. We all have certain bad things in our life. Maybe bad habits or bad attitudes or some bad motive. We need to be cleansed and be washed. All these things to become pure and holy before the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit will come in to get rid of all those junk out of your life. Get rid of demons, get rid of curses, get rid of bad habits, get rid of some wrong attitude, clean you up so that you will be ready to become the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that the church that doesn't practice the file of God will never become holy, ready to meet Jesus. You've seen a lot of messy things happen in the church today. You know why? Because they just talk about salvation, but they never talk about purification or sanctification or cleaning up the church to become beautiful bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to be ready, become beautiful bride. Amen? I don't know about you. I want to be holy. I want to be clean. I don't want to live a sinful life anymore. That's why I love the Holy Spirit. Amen? How many people want to be blessed tonight? How many people say, clean me up tonight? I want to be a beautiful bride. Amen. That day you're going to stand before Jesus, look glorious with the white linen. Look holy and pure before the Lord. Amen. Getting ready to meet Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And I experienced that, that the fire of God really cleansed me. My life has changed so much. Pastor Dan, I will pray for you. Lay hand to bless you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.NewHopeInternationalChurch.com. I'm so thankful.